Hey, if you have your Bibles, I'd like you to turn to me, if you would, to the book of 1 John. We're going to be focusing today on the cleansing blood of Jesus. Now, I'm not proud of this at all, but if you have lived a sinful life like I have lived in the past, to find out that you can actually be cleansed of your sin is a pretty wonderful thing. And um, when Jesus said he makes people new, and he brings us into relationship with himself, he wasn't kidding about that. We are new people in Jesus Christ, all because of the cleansing blood of Jesus. The Apostle John had been deeply impacted by the life of Christ. He had witnessed the crucifixion, the resurrection. He had seen this blood that was spilled for him. He was there at the Last Supper when Jesus said, this cup is my blood, this bread is my body. That's why when people started in John's day to begin to undermine that salvation was in Christ alone, John wrote some pretty powerful words in his gospel and in these three letters that he penned, and then later in the book of Revelation. But in 1 John, he's bringing us back to the essence of what it really means to be forgiven, not just to be saved, but to live in a continual state of fellowship with God because our sin is continually cleansed. And this is what he wrote in 1 John 1, beginning in verse 5. This is the message we've heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us or cleanses us of all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. Father, I want to thank you today for this word. I want to thank you for this table, and I want to thank you for calling us to remember. Our lives and even fellowship with you can become all too routine all too quickly. From time to time, you have called us to come to a table like this, to see this bread, to hold it, to eat of it, to embrace this cup and to drink of it, and to be reminded of a sacrifice that has brought us into relationship with God forever. So as we come to this table today, God, and as we remember, I hope you'll be honored, you'll be lifted up, and joy will fill your heart as we remember the power of the cleansing blood of Jesus. And we thank you in your precious name. Amen. When uh, Carla and I moved into our house some years ago, the yard was mostly dirt, and it stayed that way for a while. When you move into a house, you 
don't have a lot left to fix anything up. So that meant when it rained, our yard was mostly mud. And our kids loved it. Absolutely loved it. In fact, they were really disappointed when we put grass in. But so they would go out there and play in the mud and they would have a great old time. And then when they were done, they wanted to come in the house. So you can imagine what Carla and I did. We gave them a big hug at the door and said, sure, come right on in. Run across the carpets, jump on the furniture, spread your mud everywhere. We're really happy to have you come in. No, that's not exactly what we did. What we did was we made them take off their clothes out there on the little mat outside the door. We sprayed them down with a hose and then we said, now you can come in. Because you see, no matter how much you love somebody, you're not going to get close or let them come in until they are clean. You're not going to let them come in when they're covered with all of that stuff. Why would it surprise us then that God would have the same requirement for us to come close to him? Or to live with him forever in his house? What the mud did to our little guy's bodies, sin has done to all of our souls. God loves us, but in order for us to be close and to dwell with him, we must be cleansed. And not only would we be dragging our sin into heaven otherwise and polluting the entire environment, but if we went to heaven with sin still in our life, you wouldn't survive an instant. You see, with God, there is no darkness at all. He is completely holy, all-consuming holy. If you were to come into God's presence with sin still in your life, his holiness would instantly consume you. You couldn't survive an instant in his presence. Sinners need to be cleansed in order to come to God and to live in his presence. And communion reminds us that this cleansing from sin comes to us through the blood of Jesus Christ. Communion is a memorial meal where we remember the sacrifice Jesus paid to bring that cleansing. Eating this meal, we've said many times, will not get your sins forgiven, and eating this will certainly not make you clean. But eating this meal reminds us of the only one who can cleanse us, and it reminds us of the body and the blood he gave to bring about that cleansing. A cleansing that not only gives us new life, a new start, and a new future with God, but it allows us to stay close to God by the continual cleansing that his blood provides. That's why John reminds these dear people that we can live a new life close to God because of the cleansing blood of Jesus. What does his blood do? It cleanses us of all sin. John said in verse 5, this is the message we've heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us of all sin. When I was uh, single, I moved to Seattle area to take on a new job, and I was living in an apartment complex where I got to meet a lot of my neighbors, most of whom were single as well. We um, had a common 
several common laundry facilities, and they were all used by all of us, so it wasn't unusual that if you put your laundry in the washer and then you went back to do something else, the next person came in and saw that your laundry was done but not available, they would pull it out of the dryer or pull it out of the washer for you and they would throw it in the dryer and then they would throw their clothes in the washer and you'd do the same for them and we were kind of helping each other out. Well, one day I came in back into the laundry room after I had thrown a load in the washer and there's a friend of mine standing there uh, ready to put her clothes in and she's standing there next to a pile of my wet laundry. And she says to me, do you always wash your whites with your colors? And I said, well, yeah, why do you ask? She held up a pair of my underwear, which was now pink. You see, I had washed my whites with a new red sweatshirt. So I said to her, well, now what do I do? She said, well, I didn't dry these because you don't want this to set. You need to rewash these with bleach and then get them white before you dry them. It's the only way you're ever going to get out that stain. You know, that's what God had to do for me when he gave Jesus to die for me on the cross. He held up my life for me one day. And he said, Larry, I want you to see what sin's doing to you. I want you to see the stain that is put upon your soul. Sin stains your soul, Larry, and there's only one way. You have to be washed. And you have to be washed in the blood of Jesus. That's what God did when he gave Jesus to die for us on the cross. You see, a relationship with God cannot exist as long as sin remains uncleansed in our life. John said in verse 5, this is the message we have heard from him and declare to you, God is light. In him, there is no darkness at all. God is holy. He is just. He is pure. No sin or stain or darkness can exist in his presence. That's why we have to be cleansed. Paul told the Romans in Romans 3, all of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. He said in Romans 6, verse 23, the wages of sin is death, separation from God. You are not going to get in his presence with sin in your life. It isn't going to happen. Death is separation from God, and we remain in that separation as long as sin remains in our lives. That's where most of humanity is today. Still in sin and separated from God. You see, the sad part is they may believe in God, they may even be religious, but there's no relationship with God because being good, being religious, doesn't cleanse us of our sin. They're spiritually dead. And they're going to be separated from God forever if we die with that sin still in our lives. That's why the cleansing through Jesus' blood is such good news. That's why John said in verse 6, if we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus' his son purifies us from all sin. 
If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar, and his word is not in us. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the Righteous One. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. You see, John said, if we claim we have no sin, we lie. We are living a self-deceived life. It's like wearing pink underwear that everybody sees, but you're saying it's white. It isn't. If we confess, literally, if we agree with God that he is right about our sin and what it does, when we agree with God that we are sinners in need of cleansing, then, Jesus said, we can be cleansed. We accept the sacrifice of Jesus as our own at that point, his death as payment for our sin. Then the blood of Jesus purifies us because it is his blood that makes atonement. That's why John said in verse 2, he is the atoning sacrifice for our sins and not only for ours but also for the sins of the whole world. The word atoning sacrifice is the word propitiation and that's very important because what it means is it saves us from God's wrath. God is holy and he is just. God must pour out his wrath on sin. If that sin is in your life, that wrath is going to be poured out on you. But Jesus is the atoning sacrifice. Jesus is the propitiation, which means that when Jesus went to the cross, he took your sin on himself, so now the wrath of God is not poured out on you. It was poured out on Jesus at the cross. So that when you accept the payment Jesus made, he draws that wrath so that it's no longer applied to you. Jesus is the atoning sacrifice. That's why it said in chapter 1, verse 7, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. That word purify is a word that pictures a cleansing from stain, cleansing from a pollution of sin. And it isn't the idea just that you get rid of the stain, it's the idea that you are cleansed so you can begin something new. You can now have something that your sin was preventing you from having before. Now you can have relationship with God because the sin has been purified. It's been cleansed. This cleansing of which John spoke really applies in two ways. There's an initial cleansing we call salvation. This brings us into relationship with God. We are saved from the penalty of sin. We confess our sin to God. We believe Jesus died to pay for that sin, and we by faith receive Jesus into our lives, and we are born again. We're made alive in Christ. That's why the same John in his gospel wrote in John 1, verse 12, yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born, not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. 
You are born again. You are made brand new. You are purified. You now have something you did not before. You have a relationship with God. But it isn't just the initial cleansing. There's a continual cleansing John talks about. It's called sanctification. The initial cleansing is salvation. The continued cleansing is sanctification. It's being set apart from the power of sin. It keeps us in close fellowship with God. That's what verse 9 is about. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. That word purifies is written in the present tense, and that's very significant because it means there's an ongoing purification that comes from the blood of Christ when we confess our sin. We all sin even as Christians. That's why he said in verse 8, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. As a believer, sin doesn't break my relationship with God. Any more than if one of our kids came in the house with muddy shoes and muddy clothes, it would break our relationship with them. It doesn't break the relationship. Our fellowship might suffer a little bit in the moment, but the relationship remains. Sin hurts our fellowship with God, our fellowship with Him, our sharing in common with Him. God cannot share in common a fellowship with people who are living in unconfessed sin. That's why he said, if we claim to have fellowship with him yet walk in the darkness, we lie and we're not living out the truth. You can't say I have fellowship with God while you are knowingly living in unconfessed sin. You can't do it. The key to maintain that closeness, that fellowship with God and other believers, is confession and repentance. That's why he said in verse 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. Confession is agreeing with God and naming our sin. Repentance is a turning around a completely different direction. We don't walk in the darkness with sin anymore. We walk in the light with Jesus. We're not having fellowship with sin in the darkness. We're having fellowship with Jesus in the light. That's the contrast John's building. You can't say you have fellowship with God in the light and have fellowship with sin in the darkness. They cannot coexist. That's why he said in verse 5, this is the message we have heard from him and declare to you God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. And when we do sin, We have an advocate. He said in chapter 2, verse 1, I write this so that you will not sin, but if you do, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. We have one who pleads our case. He pleads our case with God that we are purified on the basis of the blood he shed. 
He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. And by the cleansing power of Christ's blood, we can be made new and we can stay new. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. Do I live sinless? No, I don't, and neither do you. But I don't intentionally sin. And when I discovered in my life, I, can, I agree with God. Whoa, that is, you are right, God. That is no place there. I confess that to you. 2 Corinthians 7, verse 1. Therefore, since we have these promises, dear friends, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. Awareness of our sin and its destructive power and the blood of Christ and its cleansing power should be a powerful motivation to live right with God. In fact, if we claim to be a Christian but still choose to walk in sin, we're living in a lie. Remember verse 6? If we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. I was reading a piece by Warren Wiersbe, who was a pastor in Nebraska, radio commentator for years, wrote a lot of commentaries. In one of his uh, books, he was telling about a college student who had to be confronted with the lie he was living. This college student was attending a Christian university, had grown up in a Christian church, was professing to be a follower of Jesus. But this is how the conversation went with his campus chaplain. This kid says to the campus chaplain, I went out and sinned because I knew I could come back and ask God to forgive me. The campus chaplain asked him, on what basis can God forgive you? Pointing to 1 John 1, 9, the boy said, well, God is faithful and just. The chaplain said, those two words should have kept you out of sin. Do you know what it cost God to forgive the sins you just went and committed? The boy hung his head, and he said, Jesus had to die for me. That's right, the chaplain said. Forgiveness isn't some cheap sideshow trick that God performs. God is faithful to his promise, and God is just, because Christ died for your sins and paid the penalty for you. So the next time you plan to sin, remember this. You are willingly choosing to go out and sin against a faithful, loving God who gave the blood of his son for you. The writer of Hebrews put it like this in Hebrews 10, verse 26. If we deliberately keep on sinning after we have received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sins is left. 
but only a fearful expectation of judgment and a raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. Anyone who rejected the law of Moses died without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much more severely do you think someone deserves to be punished who has trampled the Son of God underfoot? Who has treated as an unholy thing the blood of the covenant that sanctified them? And who has insulted the Spirit of grace? For we know him who said, it is mine to avenge, I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. The writer went on to say in verse 35, so do not throw away your confidence. It'll be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. For in just a little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. And by my righteous, but my righteous one will live by faith, and I take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back. But we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith and are saved. If Jesus Christ is living in us, there is no excuse for failing to live for him. Because as Peter told the churches, God has given us everything we need to live for him. Remember 2 Peter 1 verse 3? His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Peter goes on to say, for this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith. He adds all of these qualities. He says in verse Verse 8, if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. For if you do these things, you will never stumble, and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. John said in chapter 2, verse 1, My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the Righteous One. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. This is what we're remembering today in communion. We were in our sin, but we're not anymore. It feels so good to be clean. And we're remembering the one today who shed his blood to make atonement for our sin. This bread is my body, he said. This cup is my blood. It's given for you. So as often as you eat it, remember me. Lord, I need this remembrance today. Many of us start a new year with all kinds of resolutions most of which will never be realized. Because most of what we set as goals are not resolutions, they're simply wishes. Many of us want to have a stronger, closer, deeper, richer relationship with you in the coming year. 
but it's something we must choose. In the end, it isn't desire, it's will. And the willingness to surrender ourselves, to seek your face, to see sin for what it is, the sacrifice that you gave, and to choose to confess and to remember. Thank you, God, for loving us. Thank you for the new beginning. And thank you that through the power of the cleansing blood of Jesus, we have relationship with you forever. May that be our joy today as we come to this new year and this new table. In Jesus' name, amen.